And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back. Seven fifty five is real. We are live on the air here. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? How's it going, man? You got me up early again. I'm good though. Good day. To explain to the folks, he's out in uh, Washington State, Walla Walla, Washington, to be specific. So, yeah, it's seven thirty out there, huh? Mm-hmm. You got little kids, man. Ain't you been up for yeah. hours? I'm up all night with them. My three-year-old hops in the bed and starts. <laughs> I mean, he he jumps in between my wife and tries to sleep sideways and starts headbutting me. And <laughs> he's out of the way. He's kicking me in the head. I don't sleep much anymore. <laughs> I don't sleep much anymore, but it's not because of that. I just don't sleep much. Um, yeah. So, man, lots of uh, lots of shits happened in the last few days with the Bravos. So, but the, the important thing is, last night there was crazy stuff last night. Considering what had happened the day before in the doubleheader, historically awful day Sunday for the Braves. Um, as everyone knows, they got one hit in fourteen innings, got swept by the Diamondbacks. I mean, you couldn't – if Suda told me that beforehand, I would not have believed that was possible to get one hit and be outscored 12 nothing by the Diamondbacks to get no hit, no hit by Madison Bumgarner. We'll get to that in a second. So from that low point of the season, they bounced back with a really impressive game last night against the Cubs. Granted, against the Cubs, pitcher who's struggling. But uh, the, the uh, interesting aspect of it, one of those crazy things that probably had nothing to do. One had nothing to do with the other, but it made for a good story. Dansby Swanson burning sage before the game. He went, he got sage, which I, if people aren't aware, is kind of a, it's a spiritual thing that uh, Native Americans and other tribes, indigenous tribes, and have used for centuries. Uh, and then going back to Egyptians and Romans long before that used it for healing powers. But the Native Americans used it to, cleanse places of spirits and all that kind of thing, uh, as well as for health issue, health medical reasons. But uh, that's not why Dansby did it. He did it because, well, to, to cleanse the, the truest park of evil <laughs> spirits. And Freddie made sure that he took it to uh, the bats as well. The bats are in a, uh, are in a shopping, in a shopping cart behind lock and key. And Freddie made sure he went in there and put the sage on and had smoke, smoked those out as well. So, but the Braves came out and and had a really productive night and scored four runs in the first inning after after having one hit the day before in 14 innings. Uh, <laughs> and Dansby and Freddie both hit home runs. So let me ask you, though, about the burning sage. Do you ever have any, in your experience as a player, anything similar to that? Any kind of ritualistic thing anybody had to do? Yeah, I mean, We used to burn some stuff uh, called sour diesel. <laughs> um That'd get you right, but no, I mean, What's some guys, <laughs> OG Kush, something like that, you know, <laughs> take the edge off after yeah, a game. Yeah, that'll, that'll, uh, that was a little different routine though. Yeah, but, that'll cleanse this place of evil spirits. I mean, if it, if it works, man, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever it takes, you know, I mean, sometimes you just need a reason to believe it's right. going to work, but right. they better, better stick with it after the way the bat swung it yesterday. Lighten up the atmosphere, uh, mental, just a reset. You know, he had, Dansby had a good point. He said it was like Sunday was so bad that it was, it was so bad that it was almost comical and it was almost like yeah. a reset, you know? It's like rather well, than Bumgarner coming in with like a 12 ERA and then an eight ERA, eight plus ERA, yeah. And it'd been 11 yeah. and a half to start until the start before that, but yeah. But he had a good point because if you get beat, you know, seven to two and and six to three, and you know you get out hit uh, eighteen to six, 
you know, get swept into doubleheaders. That's one thing. But to get just totally humiliated like they were, it, then you're like, okay, let's start anew on Monday. And then Dansby brings in that. And, you know, it's almost like, all right, forget about yesterday. Let's just do our thing. So. Well, that's what baseball does to you, too, though, man. Like, they'll just. Makes you crazy. You know, you can, <laughs> it makes you crazy. You can do every single thing right. Get your pitch, barrel it up, put the exact swing you want on it and line out to the center fielder or, or hit into a double play line drive or something like that. And I think you just reach a point as a player where, you know, I don't know what other sport there is like that, where you do everything right. You know, you can have guys with the highest exit velocity or, you know, they're, they're crushing the ball and they're hitting 172, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's, it. that's a part of the game that just makes you go crazy is when you are doing everything right. Right. You know, as a reliever, you can come in and break three bats and everybody hates you because yeah. you gave up two runs. Um, so yeah, the game will just drive you crazy like that where you're willing to walk around in the outfield, burning sage, you know, however <laughs> stupid it looks. You know, I mean, yeah, he went like, out to the bullpen. Gotta, he walked out to the yeah. bullpen, took it and made <laughs> sure to take it in there. Yeah, we got to try something. You know, I think that it was 2012. We couldn't win on Mondays. And so we just, you know, for whatever reason, we decided to wear our pants up, you know, go high. Yeah, high I remember that. I remember. And the clubbies were pissed because they have some kind of budget. You know, they're trying to stay under with like a uniform budget or something. But we all just pulled our pants up because everybody's wearing long pants. And so they had to order, what, 60 pairs of new pants so we could wear high pants on Monday. Oh, really? And I didn't realize that. That's funny. Yeah, it was a, it, it was it kind of pissed them off. But it, all of a sudden, we started winning on Mondays. And it has it has nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know, we just started playing better. But baseball just make you go crazy when you try anything. I remember one time I came in. This is my first year with the Braves. I came in after the game, got my workout in, and I go in to take a shower and Martin Prado's in the shower, full uniform. <laughs> he's, got his, he's still got his hat on. He's got eye black running down his face, and he's still in his cleats. And cleats are slippery in the shower. <laughs> but he's dead, full uni, just drinking a beer, staring at the floor, just full uni, you know. And this was probably oh, that's great. It was 45 minutes later. So he'd been standing in the shower in his full uniform, just getting drenched for 45 minutes because the game was just wrecking him at that point. <laughs> He'd do that probably once or twice a year, but this was my first time seeing it. I was just like, what is going on? So did he come out the next day? Go I think he started hitting. Yeah. Homer? Probably. That's funny. Prada. Uh, what about just uh, regular uh, kind of superstitions did you have? I mean, as long as we're talking about this, like stuff like, you know, everybody does the never stepping on the line, that kind of thing, jumping across the line. Did, what what were some of the things you did or anybody you knew did that kind of struck you as, as a little unusual? I gave up on them early because I felt like you could almost be held hostage by them. Yeah. Like there's some guys that have so many little things that they have to do right or they're not going to play well tonight that it can go wrong. But I used to do, you know, like everything in sets of three. So if I washed my hands, uh-huh. I had to grab three paper towels, you know. And to go through the whole day like that, or I had to eat this certain thing, or I couldn't shave on game days. And all of a sudden, just to get to the game, for me to feel like I was yeah. going to pitch well yeah. that night, I had all this dumb shit I was doing that took up the whole day. It was like, <laughs> all right, I'm moving on from this. But if you believe in it, man, there's yeah. if you have any reason to believe you're going to do well tonight, like that's half the battle. So I don't blame guys that have it. What was it? Uh, who was it that uh, ate chicken every day? We should know this one. Wade Boggs. Yeah, Wade Boggs every day. Yep. And then drank what twenty four beers on the on the flight from <laughs> yeah, West Coast. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think that was a keep up. That's a lot to keep up too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have landed you in a different place. Um, Damn it, man! I got seventeen left and I'm already tired. You know all the little stuff though that guys have like not stepping on line like it says one, but like Camargo, remember his thing it jumped across the line. Everyone came on the field that time, and remember he hurts his knee. He had just started hitting, you know, as a rookie or a, a rookie year or a second year. I think it was his rookie year. He just started hitting. It was late in the season. And he jumps over the line, twists his knee. He goes on the DL. Man, he's out for a month, and it wasn't the same when he came back. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's guys that won't wash their shop, their socks, won't shower. You know, I mean, you just – it gets pretty extreme. But that that's just what baseball does to you because yeah. there's so much out of your control. You start believing in this other force that will help you. But – Dansby walked around with Sage yesterday and they rake. So, I mean, you better be out there again today. 
Snit said, well, if it worked, Snit said, fuck, I'll grow some. <laughs> he just, like, put yeah. it in my soup. <laughs> yeah. That's the first time I've ever experienced it. But, yeah. but they did hit. You know, I think I think people ask about why is it in baseball that there's so many of these little rituals and all this. I think the easy answer is you play 162 games. If you've only played 16 games once a week, you don't even have time to think of all these little rituals you're going to have to do pregame. I mean, how you put your uniform on, how you, you know. Baseball, you're doing the same thing every day, so it lends itself yeah. to coming up with little rituals. Like on the start day or something, you might drive to the ballpark a certain way. You know, you have to go this route. I know guys have done that one. You know, just all Well, you just get desperate, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I'm saying, with the there's a lot of luck involved in baseball where it's like you finally had a good game and you're just like, shit, I what I do yesterday? And you try to go through your whole routine. It's like I ate chicken. I did yeah. this. You know, I put – I put my socks on wrong first. I put the shoe on the wrong foot, you know, some little thing. And then all of a sudden you get three hits that night. Yeah. I'll try that again. Or like you're the A's, you went 12, 13 in a row. You're like, I'm not doing anything different than what, what I've done. Mm-hmm. If you notice one thing you've done during the streak that's been common or something you've wore every day. Yeah. No, fans do it too. You know, they won't oh, move yeah. their seat or stand up if the team's hot, just different things like that. Kind of gets, I mean, the, the game just messes with everybody. I got to admit, when I'm watching Kansas play basketball, there's been, uh, especially years where everything's going great and everything. I'll, uh, like at halftime or something, if they're getting beat or whatever, and I'm wearing a different hat or a Kansas sweatshirt that I have worn before, I'll go in and change. And I'm like, why am I doing I this still? It's so stupid. <laughs> at my age, why am I doing this? I have, and I cover sports and I'm totally jaded on sports for the most yeah. part. And I'm still like a fan when I'm watching. So I totally well, it was understand. Like, you know, forever you couldn't, you couldn't that. talk about a no hitter while it was going. Yeah. And people have kind of gotten over that hump. You know, if an announcer brought up what was happening, yeah. they'd have to dance around it or just show the scoreboard. And You have to now. now. a lot of them just bring it up. Now yeah. you almost have to because there's so much. Used to, you could do to get away with that. Announcers could get away with it. When they when they had exclusive rights to the game, a, a million people weren't tweeting and, and posting on various internet sites that a no-hitter was going on. So you wouldn't you, you could get away with it as an announcer not mention it, but now you as an announcer you almost look like an idiot if you not mention that guy because everybody's talking about it online. Everybody knows, you know. Well, half the time everybody if you're knows. scrolling through the box scores, there's a little red box under there that says oh, yeah. no hitter, you know. So you got a lot of people tuning in just to see that. And it pops up on the screen when you're watching another game. It comes across the bottom, yep. or MLB Network drops into it, you know, while it's going specifically because of no hitter in eighth inning, you know. So yeah, yeah. But still, when I do it, if I tweet it, he has no, you know, if it's a Braves guy throwing the no hitter and I tweet it or something, people's like, oh, way to go, way to jinx it or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. On the other hand, if the other team's doing it, I start doing it. Oh, wait, and, and, and then the no hitter gets broken up after I do it. So, anyway, people are still superstitious. There's no doubt. There are, but, you know, as I say, there are no jinxes, but, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. But so. Yeah, you you can't come out and burn sage again tonight because then you get you can't. I think you have to hold it off for a bad time again. But if uh, if they go through another stretch, oh, so you God, can't just God forbid they have another day. day. God forbid you wait to have another day like you did Sunday to do it because if you ever have another day like that, it was historically bad. That was the first time. Now, granted, these are seven inning doubleheader games, and normal doubleheaders before this year have been not before last year have been nine inning. But the Braves had the one hit was the lowest hits total ever for a doubleheader, going back to 1900 when they started keeping track of this stuff. But yeah, on the way it was going, even if they were nine innings, you know, I mean, I didn't, I, it didn't look like it just was. I had a feeling. I mean, the way Bumgarner was handling them, that he could have gone 12 innings if the pitch count hadn't been, you know, I think it was up in the high 80s, around 90 or whatever. Yeah. But uh, they they had one. Layout catch, beautiful catch in center field. And other than that, it was just they weren't hit. Yeah. And yeah, they, I mean, they kind of. I think that this team though kind of needed a rock bottom day. Yeah. Where it's almost comical how bad things are, and you know, there's nowhere to go but up. And Zach Gallon really handled them in the first game. Zach Gallon's good, man. He's, He's good. He is. That might be one of the better pitchers that nobody talks about when they mention the first, yeah. you know, best ten pitchers. Nobody ever mentions Zach Gallon. He's good. He's really but good. he doesn't have the he doesn't have that blow you away right. you know pitching ninja highlight type of stuff he just pitches he makes good pitches he's got good stuff but he's not throwing ninety nine with some crazy sink or anything yeah. like that that you know 
it's like he's not hit, he's just like a hitter hitting 500 foot homers. You know, that's the highlight, yeah. not the guy that's hitting 330 and hitting wall scrapers. Speaking of our picks, early season, uh, preseason picks, uh, the Cy Young pick of DeGrom is looking pretty good right now. It's huh? looking pretty safe. <laughs> yeah. It's like I said then, man, he's the best pitcher. So until he's not, I'm going to go with him. But my God, what he's doing. I see Vegas puts the odds on, you know, they do, they do like prop bets for pitchers of strikeouts and things like that. And, it's usually over under at like six and a half or seven and a half. Yeah. And they'll put DeGrom at like 10 now with negative 180 odds. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm still, I'm like, that's still a safe bet. He's punching out 12 to 15 every time out. How he doesn't lose his mind. Thankfully he's, he doesn't and, and wins are not stressed like they used to. Can you imagine if wins are, were stressed like they were up until, you know, 10 years ago, if this was 20 years ago and he was getting the run support he does, I mean, that would make you lose your mind back when pitchers were paid for wins and losses and that kind of thing. Cause yeah, if they mattered, I mean, right. they I don't wouldn't lose now. my mind pitching like that. It'd be pretty fun to pitch like that. Oh, you know, I mean, that'd be a, that'd be a pretty good time out there, but. The only comparable in the past going back is Nolan Ryan because he pitched on a lot of bad teams and struck out a ton of guys on some bad teams. But his ERA was nothing like DeGrom's. You know, he gave up runs. I've never seen anybody pitch like DeGrom's no. pitching right now. I told I told my dad a week or two ago that DeGrom's the best pitcher I've ever seen. And he kind of looked at me like, my dad loves history and, and he loves, he's just thinking I'm being naive about it. But I was like, dad. Yeah, this dude's on another level. He because he's just blowing guys away with his fastball. You know, it's it's not like he's tricking anybody. He's just too good for him. And I told him that, and he kind of, you know, he kind of shook his head. But he's watched him pitch the last few times out after I said that, and kind of been like, well, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe you're onto something. Hey, even Chris Russo, who you know is as old school as they come, and doesn't, yeah, doesn't give credit to anybody. You know, is is backwards when it comes to metrics analytics and all that uh loves the old yankees the mickey mantles the joe dimaggio's all that the older mets he said Degrom is to him is now the second best pitcher in mets history behind tom Seaver and ahead of doc Gooden. yeah so yeah so i heard um i think it was keith hernandez said that he's like not even on doc's best day was he ever pitching like this and doc was dominant man oh my god Doc, yeah. I mean, Doc's period. Video of him. His three or four years that he had, right now he would be the second oh, best pitcher be in baseball. Yeah, he'd be second best. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was 250 to 300 strikeouts, was it? You know, in. <laughs> so I wonder what DeGrom's on pace for. You talk about the abuse, man. You want to talk about an arm abuce? Go back and look at Doc Gooden's innings totals in his first when he was like 20 years old. Just look what yeah, there's some body abuse going on. Too. Oh yeah, on top of that, going out and doing yeah. blow all night and, and then yeah, coming in. It's hard to maintain that. Innings. I don't think Degrom's doing any of that. Nope, nope. But uh, that makes what Gooden did all the more incredible to know what he was doing off the field. But um, so the Bra- Braves bounced back in a huge way from that uh, doubleheader being swept. Bumgarner credited the shadows afterwards. I think he was being uh, a very humble. Bumgarner, you know, th- that he is, and and thanked Rob Manford for the inning, for the being a seven-inning game. You know, insinuating that he wouldn't have thrown a doubleheader without the shadows in seven innings. But, I mean, the shadows, while they were covering a lot of the field, I didn't think that they were the kind of extreme shadows that you see at some places where there is a sharp line across, like, the pitcher's mound, and he's in the sun, and then it starts. right. Yeah, I didn't see those kind of shadows. Maybe, I mean, you know, I was watching a game, and that didn't strike me the way it does in a lot of places. Well, even if even if the backdrop, the batter's eye, uh-huh. is in bright sunlight, uh-huh. and the pitcher's in darkness, uh-huh. it, it still makes it hard to pick up that you. spin coming out of it because you're throwing a dark ball with a bright background. Right. So, right. I think they definitely, you know, had an effect. And just, you know, like I've said before, he's always got that angle. So if he's throwing strikes yeah. on the inner half, yeah. you know. Um, I saw Acuna get a couple pitches he could have hit, but having never seen Bumgarner before and have not faced him, you know, he it takes a few times to yeah. see that angle. But I mean, he he looked pretty good for himself, you know. I mean, came in with bad numbers, but yeah. Well, he had a great start the one before against the Nationals, so that's back to backs. I mean, maybe he's figured something yeah. out. I mean, it's the same Bumgarner. You just it's take the same. a little off the velo, you know. Yeah, but otherwise, but he never threw like ninety seven, no. ninety six. He's always been. Low to mid nineties. 
but now it's upper no, 80s. 89. Yeah. 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 yeah 89, 90. It was, I think he topped out at probably 90, but, but yeah, you, nobody else throws it like it. And he slings it in there from the side. And it's like, uh, you just, it's like it's coming from first base. Yeah. You know, and he's like, you know, I don't know how tall he is. I forget, but he looks like he's, you know, six, five when he's out there slinging it yeah. from where he is. So yeah, there's no, there's nobody quite like it, but it's kind of like with Randy Johnson. But Randy was throwing a hundred six yeah. foot ten. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Bumgarner's interview after the game was just kind of like That was great. I guess I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> like he did he really didn't want to celebrate. He it. didn't even take questions, man. I was like, I'm, more guys should no. do interviews like that. He put the headphones on and he goes, I'm gonna say two things. I want to thank Atlanta for these shadows, and I want to thank Rob Manford for yeah. seven inning games, and now I'm going to go celebrate with the guys. He took the headphones yeah. off. That was the interview. <laughs> that answers the whole – like for me, I've seen a lot of people arguing over whether it's a legit no-hitter or, or should be considered a no-hitter. For me, his response answered the question, and him just kind of being like, you know, joking about it, like this is a comical thing. Right. You know, because I think just because as a pitcher, you know how many no hitters yeah. are lost in the eighth and ninth innings. Oh God! You know? yeah. I mean, it's it's like I feel like you turn on you you look through the scores and there's yeah. a no hitter going in the sixth every other day now, and it's it's those last two innings. You know, it just takes a blooper or something to blow it. So I would say more I, I than think every other pitcher, day. There's one in no yeah. six innings. Almost it feels every like day. every day. Yeah, almost every day. But you know, I mean, you just. I think you'd want to earn a real one. Yeah. As a pitcher, if I threw one of those, it'd be kind of like throwing a right. no-hitter in a rehab game or something. You know, you'd, you'd want that real one to really celebrate it. And it would have been meant a lot more to someone other than Bumgarner. You know, a guy who's won, won three yeah. Yeah, World Series, been World Series yeah. MVP, was a perennial side uh, uh, front runner for about five years. I mean, he's done just about all you can do in the game. He hadn't won a side, but, uh, you know. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, but he's come close many times on no hitters and hasn't thrown one. But that's what takes away from it. I know. You know? I mean, he doesn't want that to be the first he's, one. He's been on that chase and he wants a real one. And he's probably lost one in the eighth. Inning. And he's probably in the ninth. He's thrown some in games that were a lot better than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I could kind of see both sides of it. I could see where the argument was. Like Freddie said, you know, all I know is we played a full game. He pitched all the innings and he didn't allow any hits. It's a no hitter to me. And yeah. other people were saying, you know, if you're going to make the games no seven innings, then they have to be no hitters. But like you said, if you go back and look at how many no hitters are lost in the eighth and ninth innings, it is crazy. I mean, that's when it really gets tough. Nuke had one. Yeah, he's not. Nuke had one until the last out. Uh, yeah. Fulte had one too, till into the ninth inning that Oakland a few yep. years ago. You know, we, there's been a lot of them through seven innings with the Braves in recent years. So, you know, the pitcher doesn't feel the pressure that a guy's feeling in the eighth and ninth mm -hmm. inning of a no, regular no hit. He's not feeling that in the sixth inning. You're not. No, and that changes everything too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, feeling that pressure and and you know the mental side of it, keeping calm and and keeping making pitches. But I, yeah, I think just as a pitcher, no matter what they call it, yeah, Bumgarner's not that fired up about it because he's tried to chase the real thing. I mean, I saw some people say you could call it a seven inning no hitter and credit it, right? But even that, it's like, you know, it's only been a year. It's how, how cool is it to be exclusive right. member of the seven-inning no-hitter club? And I, right. I just say, you know, from a pitcher's standpoint, it'd be a cool thing. And especially, like you said, for a young guy, yeah, it, it'd be something to celebrate if you're a young guy. But for Bumgarner, I'm I'm pretty sure he just felt like he had a good start. Yeah. I mean, the list of no-hitters is so long now because in recent years mm -hmm. there's been so many that, okay, you want to throw it in there and put an asterisk by it, but – Astros cool. start messing up things when you put those in there. And I don't know what you're going to call it, but, you know, the, what it was. He, you know, hit the brace for yeah, seven, seven innings. Seven inning no-hitter. And, I mean, he'd probably rather throw a nine-inning complete game and feel better about that. A nine-inning one-hitter, yeah. I think that'd feel better than a seven-inning, you know, no-no. <laughs> uh, so – uh, so they come back last night and they get they, they bust out right early. Uh, they took advantage of of uh, Zach Davies, who's really struggling. That guy in the first inning, they they were all over him. There were a couple of good developments. One I thought was Dansby going the other way twice. One with a little single through the infield, but his home run was opposite field. That's a huge sign for Dansby because he has not been doing that enough this year. And we know when he's at his best is when he's wearing out right center like like Freddie does the left center. You know, and Ozuna. You know, either and either Ozuna. time I see hit Dansby and Ozuna driving the ball the other way, it's it's a it's a sign of good things to come. 
And they need some good signs for Ozuna because he has really struggled, man. I, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. it's 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 gone on this long with Ozuna. Maybe bigger surprise of anybody to me is Ozuna to take this long to snap out of it. What year? What I think a couple years ago he had a year like this. His first year with St. Louis, maybe, or second. Yeah, year, first year with St. Louis, probably coming off his great year with the Mar- Marlins in '17. I have to go back and look at that. You know. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't start great last year at all. You know, he in the first third of the sixty game season, he wasn't doing. Then, then he went on the home run barrage, but it was nothing like this yeah. year. It wasn't nearly as low average in the strikeouts and all that as as this year. Um, yeah, two thousand. Well, two thousand eighteen with St. Louis, he he hit uh, two eighty, but he he had a seven fifty eight OPS. The next year, he hit two forty one with an eight hundred OPS. But you know, his years in Miami, he was. OPS in 772, 791, 773. Until his and then he had a big year with Miami. That got him in yeah. contract with, with Cardinals. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's the same thing with him. Like, when you see him just looking, it, it seems like he's looking to pull everything to left field right now. Yeah. And not, and not covering that outer half. Um, when I see him driving the ball the other way, it's usually when he, when he gets really difficult to pitch to. Yeah. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Uh, I thought the other the uh, negative of the doubleheader besides the offensive futilities was uh, Drew uh, Drew Smiley. I wrote yeah. Don Smiley on my notes here. Don Smiley used to be the president of the Marlins when I covered them back in the nineties. Uh, Drew Smiley, Drew Smiley pitching for the first time in fourteen days after a stint on the DL, the IL for forearm inflammation. You know. I don't know if the minor leagues had been going, AAA, if he'd have gone down and had a rehab start. you got to think he normally he would have when he's on the yeah. IL for two weeks. But he looked like a guy who definitely needed to have made a rehab start or two. Uh, or at least gone down to the alt site and pitched in a couple of inter-squad games because he looked really rusty in that first inning, came out. Yeah. Um, but bigger, First pitch of the game, Homer. But bigger issue is the guy just hasn't pitched well this year. I mean, uh-uh. He has not looked like the guy that struck out 14.4 per nine innings last year. But he only did that in 26, 27 innings last year. You know, he had such a he was he was healthy for three or four weeks of the of the 60 game season last year. And basically the Brace took a gamble on him. Eleven million dollars. And right now, it's very early, plenty of time for him to to earn it. But right now it looks like it was a bad investment. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue with that right now. I, I think you know he's got plenty of time to turn it around. I think any time a pitcher's dealing with forearm stuff, though, it's going to affect their breaking ball, and that's his bread and butter. Right. I saw him hanging it a lot, you know, or, or you know, you see a guy hanging breaking balls or scudding them in the dirt. They don't have that feel for it yet, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have an overpowering fastball. So, I last year when he was striking everybody out, he was living off that breaking ball, and it was elite. Uh, you know, so if you go from having an elite breaking ball. To just an okay one, yeah. you know what? What do you got to throw at him? Yeah, yeah. His spin rate last year was was what everybody's talking about on the on yeah the, on the uh, curveball on the cutter. We saw mm-hmm. a lot of cutters last year, a lot of them, and even on the fastball, yeah. he had a huge spin rate. And uh, you know, so far this year, he's just looked normal out there at best. But um, when you start seeing lefties tee off on him, yeah, that that tells me that the the breaking stuff is just not sharp. You know, I mean, righties against lefties and they're hitting you hard. You know, you might just be missing locations. But when lefties are just digging in like that ball Peralta hit, mm-hmm. 
um, <laughs> your stuff's not there, you know, because you should at least be able to make lefties uncomfortable. Did you have ever have forearm stuff like that? From day one. <laughs> forearm. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the same thing. It's it's if you're throwing a ton of breaking balls, it's all that flex, all those flexor muscles. Um, when when that stuff's acting up, uh, you're just gonna baby it or not finish it, or if you're tight in there, you know. I mean, and that's the thing about baseball is if you're just a little bit off, like you're seeing with Ozuna, you're seeing with Smiley. If you're just a little bit off in yeah. baseball, you can go from an elite player to just the triple A guy in a, in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And the forearm thing can lead to other stuff if you try to compensate or whatever, right? You try to baby it, you know. You start, and then you start beating up your shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he's out there pitching, he's he's got to be feeling at least decent enough. Mm-hmm. But you know, you never know when guys sign. He got eleven million dollars. He's probably feeling that pressure to get out there and pitch. You know, he might not be ready. Yeah, he's thirty-one, so he's pitching for another big contract. He would hope, I guess, yeah. but not, not going to get it right now. The way he's going, but he's got a seven-two-zero ERA and three starts. He's already minus. 0.5 B war if you want to go analytic on it, which means he's been worth a half game less than a typical replacement player. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we want to call that a guy called up from AAA or whatever, but that's that's been pretty bad because pitchers, you know, can pile up good war in a hurry if they're pitching well. Yeah. If they're pitching well, yeah. um, he's got 15 strikeouts with three walks and 15 innings, which is, by the way, exactly his career strikeout rate, nine per nine innings. Last year was the outlier, you know, big time. He had a, he had like, I think his previous high is just over 10. So he went up by four last year. But so he's got 15 Ks, three walks and 15 innings. That's great. That's fine. But he's allowed 15 hits, including six homers in 15 innings. So. The, uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta figure, you gotta get to the bottom of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's not always a clean answer for it, and sometimes things just turn around. But <laughs> right now, man, I'm sure he's feeling the pressure. We talked about how that was to me the only the only thing in the off season with yeah. Alex with his lesser budget. That was to me the only kind of head scratcher was why. And I think I think the budget was probably they thought it was he thought it was going to be higher maybe the payroll when he signed him and. Uh, Charlie early and, and you know because I don't think he would have signed both I, I you know Charlie is he's pitching like himself I mean he looks fine yeah he's had, he just seems to have one bad inning one bad inning when you watch him it's yeah. it's convincing that the, he's still got the stuff's it stuff's there as good yeah. as ever um, but Smiley you're thinking man what they could have done with that 11 million if you'd known because that, you're, that was a, one of the few spots on your team where you had some depth you know I know they were scared wanted more depth after last year's yeah. disaster with so many pitchers going down or just pitching poorly or whatever. So they wanted to have more depth than they needed, you know. But to think what you could have done with the bullpen with that $11 million, man, because, you know. Throwing three of it at Melanson yeah. might feel pretty good right now. I mean, you're looking at Melanson signed for a guaranteed $3 million with San Diego. That includes the buyout of a 2022 option, right? You get mm-hmm. $2 million this year. O'Day signed for about $2.5 million, including the buyout of an option with the Yankees. $5.5 million for those guys total. And Green hasn't, Shane Green hasn't signed yet, the other free agent from that Braves yeah. bullpen. Okay, listen, Malan- I know it's early, and it's easy to say, you know, 2020 and all that, but Melanson has a, 0. Z- a 0.82 ERA, and majors leading eight saves and eight chances for the Padres. I remember when they he signed him, we, we didn't even know if he was going to close for them. We're like, whether well, they're getting him yeah. for a setup guy or whatever, backup closer. He's their closer. 11 yep. strikeouts and one walk in 11 innings. And again, that's not a guy that in this day and age where all these guys are coming in throwing 100, throwing 90. He's not doing that. But he's got he's – got, He pumps strikes and he's got a good curveball and he's he's got the mindset. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a closer. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you see plenty of guys with closer stuff that – go out and things continually fall apart on them. For whatever reason, certain guys have this closer mindset. They rise to the occasion, and they're better under pressure, and he's one of those guys. He's got big balls, man. He is aggressive, and he can that, that breaking ball just falls off the table. It's unhittable when he's throwing it. When he gets ahead in the count, yep. he puts guys away. You know, yep. He doesn't mess around. He's got 11 strikeouts, one walk in 11 innings. Darren O'Day who a lot of guys wrote off, a lot of people wrote off two years ago because he was hurt that entire year with the Braves, that second year he was with them after they traded for him. 
Um, he's got a two two five ERA. What he's doing is great because that guy's such a good dude, man. And to yeah. see him have this at late in his career, and he's the perfect mindset that can go and pitch for the Yankees, and it's not going to bother him at all. He's got a two two five ERA and a one point oh oh WHIP in nine appearances with the Yankees, nine strikeouts, and again one walk in eight innings. I know they're yeah. using him probably right for matchups and all that. But those strikeouts and walks, especially the walks totals, have got to be looking for Braves fans right now are going, oh, man, to have that, the, the, the no <laughs> yeah. walks. Well, the walks are the walks are the problem for me because if you look at the batting average against the relievers, yeah, you know, I mean, say just say it's an average of 200. Yeah. When a guy comes up, that means they got less than a one in four chance or they got a one in five chance of, of getting a hit. When you walk them mm-hmm. – you know, that could have been that's four out of five times you're getting that guy out. And when you give them that free pass, they're just on. And then those numbers continue. And you're looking at it's eventually somebody's going to get a knock or something. And it seems like the free passes just keep coming back to bite them. Yeah. Um, lead off walk. But that oh, lead off walk or, you know, I mean, like Matzik, he seems unhittable. I know he gave up a homer to Contreras last night, but Ooh, was his fastball, homer? that was a bomb. It wasn't as far as they said. No. And this just said 491 like 491. feet. 491. Like Acuna hits one every what? week right there. Yeah. I was trying to figure it out, too. I was like, that was, Acuna hits a ball there every other right, day. Right, because it landed you in know? the seats, like halfway up the, yeah. the, 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 the 15 bleachers. rows up. Yeah. I was at 491. Yeah. Uh, I think they still overestimated yeah, he, at 456. Yeah. But, you know, he gave up that that hit on the homer yet on the fastball yesterday. But for the most part, you know, guys aren't catching up to his heater. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's going to hurt a guy that's got that overpowering stuff is is the walks. And then you give up a cheap hit here and yeah. there. But that that's been the big thing, man. It's just that you see guys coming in and whether it's a lack of aggression or just not being able to find it. You know, you, you almost have to have that mindset from the top down of watching a guy like Melanson throwing yeah. 92 and going at guys. And and it. it it filters down. Brace bullpen has a four three two ERA. That's eleventh in the majors. Not terrible. Not bad. But they have a one four seven WHIP. That's mm-hmm. one and a half base runners per inning. And they all got incredible stuff. And they that ranks twenty seventh in the majors. That WHIP. Okay. And what you were talking about, they have a lot of the reason for that. Forty four walks in seventy seven innings. Only three teams have yeah. more walks from relievers, and all of them have pitched more than the Braves bullpen. One of them was uh, uh, 90 innings from relievers. One of the teams is more. So uh, it's not, it's pretty simple stuff, man. We look at it. Chris Bryant, his third inning grand slam last night. <laughs> One of these oddities, you know, look at, you look, it's when it's so early in small sample size. But the Cubs, it made the Cubs major league, major league best six for 10 with the bases loaded, 600 average, two home runs. They got two grand slams already this year. The other was by Javier Baez. Contrast that to the Braves. So Dansby had the bases loaded pop out last night in the fourth inning. That made the Braves three for 18 with the bases loaded. That's the fourth lowest average, 167 in the majors. I mean, I know it's like not a lot and small sample size, but still, man, that the difference in going six for 10 in those situations and three for 18, that's a lot of runs driven in. <laughs> I think that's the difference, though, that, you know, just in general, you see with this team versus last year, yeah, they just seem to always get that big hit, always capitalize on those situations. Last year, you know, the, the last year, yeah, right. you know, I mean, they, they and you know, with the bullpen scuffling, the bullpen's not been bad. They just, yeah, there's just been some games that you want to put the other team away. It's it's just like everything's not syncing up at the right time. But I think that'll all change, especially the, the when you get Chris Martin, the big. Back. And will help. Yeah, and the and the big hits, you know, I think that those will come oh, around, but yeah. they haven't been there with you know Zuna struggling. Uh Dansby hasn't been himself yet. Those are guys that were getting those big knocks last year. And Darno. Darno was the bet with runners to scoring position was great last year. Yeah. Him and Freddie, of course. Freddie's getting walked when he's up with runners to scoring position most of the time this year because Ozuna's not yeah. making them pay. And Darno doesn't have many big hits at all yet. So there's a lot of guys that you 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 have hit before, and there's no reason to think they're not gonna hit. They will. Yeah, and a bullpen. Yeah, I don't think anybody's worried about the offense. They're just too good. Right. It's going to be there. I think the bullpen. The only concern is can you keep them healthy? Because Chris Martin, he's your one of your, he's probably your best reliever. You know, I know Will Smith's pitching really well right now, but but Martin is probably your best reliever, and he's had issues, man. Little nagging things here and there. They kept him out of postseason. He's got. 
if you could keep him healthy the rest of the way, he's close to getting back. He's pitching off the uh, he's pitched off the he's the mound several times now. Uh, he's supposed to face hitters next couple of days, and then he'll be back without even going to the alt sites. And it said so. It wouldn't surprise me if they had him by the end of this homestand. If not, then next week. That'll be big. And the other one is Newcomb. He, like we've talked about, he's on the COVID list, and there's no updates on him yet. But the fact that he's been out now for a week and a half tells me he must have tested positive, not just been exposed. But I don't know because they're not providing updates. They haven't even said why he's on the I.L. Just know it's COVID because somebody told me. And the fact that it's not counting against the 40-man is a is a <laughs> obvious sign. So Yeah. But that's two guys right there. And this bullpen's not deep enough to cover without them, without running into problems, because you got to use the same guys, same three guys every day that you're that you have a chance. Yeah, I mean, and if you ask me, that you know, there's reason to believe that this bullpen could be pretty damn dominant after watching them last year with even without the two guys uh-huh. that left or three. But the thing is, and I heard Glavin talking about it yesterday, that it's not the same track record. You know, I mean, one good season, two good seasons, you know, here and there versus when you have veteran guys that when they have a bad season, it's still pretty decent. Yeah. You know, bad for their standards, but it's still respectable um, with with young guys, man. I mean, it, you could have a two ERA one year and a seven the next. And I, I think that was kind of the gamble was that I, I think you had to get those answers, though. You had to see what Webb had in the tank if you put him in a bigger role. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't been quite the same. Um, Matzik looked pretty damn dominant all year last year. You know, there was guys that there was a lot of reason to believe that you weren't going to take a big hit letting other other guys go, but uh-huh. it just hasn't worked out so far. They, uh, you know, it's not it's not just the bullpen. I mean, the the ERA of the starting rotation, which we thought was going to be such a big team strength, and obviously Soroka couple of concerns. Soroka has not started throwing again yet. I think it's the Braves being cautious. And they said they were shutting him down for two weeks when his shoulder got inflamed uh, at the end of spring training. You know, he was at the very end of his rehab from Achilles. He was probably a few weeks away from joining the team. Would have been there by, would have been with the team by now. But he got that shoulder inflammation. So they shut him down for what they said was a period of two weeks. Then they reevaluate. He hasn't started throwing yet. It's been three weeks now, almost three weeks. I see, but it was a six. Today's three week mark, actually. He hasn't resumed throwing yet. Again, I think they're being cautious, so you'll probably feel good about the fact they're not rushing him back. But the fact he hasn't thrown for three weeks tells me they'll be lucky to have him by June at the earliest or early June. You might be looking at towards the All Star break. And then Max Fried, obviously, wasn't pitching well at all. And then he gets hurt with the that might be a good time for him to reset, but he'll he'll be facing hitters later this week, and then he could be activated next week for the Blue Jays series. So he's close to returning. And they gotta just really hope that Max is back to pitching like himself rather than he did in a couple starts before he got hurt. Yeah. I, I feel good about Max. Just because he's been every, almost every time he's been healthy, he's been good. You know, I mean he's never struggled like this and it's mm-hmm. I, you know, I saw him kind of look like he was flying open, maybe showing the ball a little bit. And like I've said before, one little thing can really make a big difference. So he'll have some time to kind of correct that all. But they definitely need him. That's you know, what I was going to no say. No doubt about that. That's what I was going to say. This time gives him because he's got all this time to look at video and realize and understand exactly what he was doing. Right. I mean, this could be a good opportunity yeah. for him to work on that. And he's going to throw to teammates. Yeah. You know, you throw to teammates, they'll come up to you afterward and be like, "Dude, I saw your breaking ball right out of your hand." Yeah. Or that this pitch is really, really nasty, but your curveball was kind of loopy. You know, you don't get that feedback. You can only see so much on video. But when someone gets in the box against you, they can give you some feedback that, you know, the other team's not going to tell you that. You know, especially if he was tipping or something like that, you can look that up. But when you got some really experienced hitters on your team, they can get in the box and and really give you honest feedback that you might need. And and like you noticed him flying open, and also I heard – uh, I think it was Glav said it on Bird. I think Bird said it. Birdie said it. No, Glav too. Yeah, I think they both brought it up. Well, whoever said that, if they saw it, if you saw it, obviously when he looks at video and all this downtime that he's had, he's going to see it. Yeah. And so is the pitching coach. You know, so this is something he's going to fix and get back yeah. to what he was doing last year. As long as health wasn't the reason why it was do what was happening. I mean, his velo wasn't down. No, you know? <laughs> not at all. There's nothing really too alarming about it, and he didn't hurt his arm. He hurt his hamstring. So. 
because this is just not the pitching staff that you know you expect and and that I think we'll see over the course of the season. But their ERA went to four point eight nine after last night. They won, but it was eight to seven. Uh, that's the worst in the National League. And get this, their five seven five home ERA is the highest in the majors. It's higher than Colorado's, dude. And that's not a that's not a big hitters ballpark. No, it's hard it's a to fair pull off. park. Their starters problem is the walks, like we talked about, especially with the bullpen. Their starters have given up 25 homers in 110 innings. That's the most in the majors, 25 homers. Yeah, I mean, it could be something, you know, with, with the catchers too, just different. You know, it might have been, might be a place to kind of analyze Tyler Flowers' value. I you know, think they're what missing he was it. bringing to the table. You know, I mean, certain catchers, David Ross used to do this thing when I threw to him. You know, I'd miss arm side. He'd call arm side fastball and I'd miss. He'd call slider and I'd hang it. And he'd call not necessarily the right pitch. You know, he'd call a fastball in, but he'd call that to get me back on track because he was he was analyzing my mechanics from, yeah. from his, his vantage point. And he'd say, you know, every time I call a fastball in from you, everything plays off of that so much better. So sometimes I'm going to call this. And even though it's not the right pitch, you know, I know it's going to play out for the rest of your outing. And so there's little stuff like that that, you know, Flowers could have been contributing that's that's not there this year either. He's there helping. I'm talking in the pre in the meetings, yeah. analytics and all that. But yeah, he's not behind the dish catching, it's you know, the half same the as games. Being back there. Right. Yeah. And, and seeing what's coming out of the pitcher's hand. And Darno's catching, you know, four out of five games. He did last year. And last year they pretty much split mm-hmm. them, you know. Split them, yeah. Darno's catching four to five, and and Alex Jackson, a rookie, is catching the others. And he knows pitched great to Alex Jackson, so that's where he's at. Yeah. You know, so I'm not going to blame anything on Alex Jackson. I don't know. I know maybe it's Darno's. I, I I don't want to draw any conclusions, but yeah, Drew Smiley no. is the big problem with the home runs. Like I said, you know, he's given up a ton of them, but all of them, all the guys have given up home runs, really. Yeah, except for Enoah. Think he gave up? Yeah, he just had that one bad start. One bad start, yeah. Three and three really good ones, great ones. So, but you want to you want to get some first some perspective on that twenty five homers in one hundred and ten innings. The Mets starters have allowed six homers in ninety three and a third innings, and Degrom's not pitching every game. They got a Mets got they got some good pitchers. They do. Though. They get and, and they're going to get uh, Thor back here pretty soon, right? Yeah, center guard. Their 2.70 ERA for their starters, the Mets, is about half of the Braves' 5.29 ERA for starters, which is the second highest in the majors, by the way, behind the Angels, 5.33. So I think it's two ways of looking at all this. All these, the, the negative stats, these are all things that you know the Braves are going to get better at. I yeah. mean, they should get a lot yeah. better at, but we know the offense is going to get a whole lot better than it is right now. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. It's almost, you know, if – you were just getting your ass kicked and everybody seemed to be playing up to their potential. Then you'd be like, you know, maybe this team's not that good, Yeah. but you know what they're capable of. And when everything, it seems like everything's working against them. You know, there's, they can't, they can't get it all going at the same time when the offense is hot, you know, maybe the starter struggles or the bullpen struggles Yeah. uh, and, and vice versa. When they pitch well, they don't, they don't score. Um, But I just, you know, when you look at the team, it's, it's not that alarming for me. It's almost, it's almost a good sign when you're playing this bad and everything seems to be going wrong and you're still pretty damn competitive, you know, only yeah. a few games back. Yeah, you're, yeah, that's the thing. Bottom line, look at the standings. Nobody's running away with this yeah. thing at all. The Braves are right there. No. The Braves are a, a good series away from being, you know, right there in the lead, you know? I mean, if they sweep yeah. somebody, then uh, that's how fast it could turn. So Game and a half back. I mean, a game, game and, and a half, half back is nothing. Yeah. And they could not have played much worse than they have. No. So it almost feel almost feel bad if you know, if you were if you were a couple games up right yeah. now and you were playing like this you'd be like man we you know you'd feel like everybody's chasing you but when you're playing this bad and you're still in it uh, it's really you know it's a, it's almost a good sign for me or if you're a team leading and you're reading all this stuff about how bad the Braves are playing and you look in there you go yeah. we're only a game and a half ahead of them <laughs> and they're playing like ass you know they're they're not even close to what they can do I think that's just what you got to remember in all this. In, in not one area of their team are they playing as well as they no. expect to play. No. That's the thing. No, they're like 60% right now in their game and a half back. <laughs> Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. 
Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Morton Trent, we we referred to Charlie Morton. Dude, his stuff has been filthy. I didn't realize he still had this kind of stuff, to be honest. It's not going anywhere. I didn't see him a lot pitching for Tampa's other than postseason. But... I mean, my God, this guy's in his mid-late 30s and 37, and he's still got nasty stuff. But three, one inning, three innings of his five starts have have screwed up his ERA entirely this year. He gave up four of the five runs that he allowed. um, Grand slam. Yeah, came last night in one inning on the Chris Pine Grand Slam. That is continuing his trend. He gave up three runs in the fifth inning of the Braves' second game of the season at Philadelphia, and he gave up four runs in the third inning of his April 14th start against the Marlins. Now the Chris Bryant Grand Slam. Okay, so in the other 25 and a third innings of his five starts, Dominant. he's given up four earned runs, 1.42 ERA. I know you can't toss out the bad innings, but it's only three in five starts. So... This guy's dealing. He's pitching exactly how they hoped, except for those few, those bad innings. That's why that's why I feel good about him every time out. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not like he gives up one every inning or something like that. I mean, when he's on, he looks dominant. He looks like an ace, um, and he's had that stuff since day one. Yeah, I mean, he had that stuff in Atlanta. It was just a matter of figuring out, you know, the competitive the the mindset behind it, but. You know, he's he's probably been the guy I feel best about uh, every time out. And you need a stopper or something like that. Yeah. He, you know, he had that bad inning yesterday, but he looked like he was going to win that game the whole time. So you got to think he keeps pitching like this. Uh, cuts down the bad innings, obviously. But uh, if they get freed back to what he's supposed to do, and then you get Soroka healthy, this still could be the rotation everybody expected to be. Because Enola is far surpassing expectations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, the other day when Bryce Wilson came in, I thought he pitched well. He had one rough inning. But, again, the damage control, which he didn't have until last year at the end of the year, that thing he figured out that Kyle Wright's still trying to figure out that damage control. Bryce Wilson has figured that out. The inning doesn't come unraveled and become a four-run inning against Bryce. So you got to feel good about him in the fifth spot. And Ian Anderson, after starting out slow, has pitched great. Yeah. He's pitching great yeah. now. And he goes again tonight for the Braves, and you got to feel really good about what he's done last couple of times out. So I could see it becoming a really formidable rotation again in a in a hurry. You know, if you get freed back from the from the IL and he's and he pitches like you expect him to pitch, yeah, not even well, counting on Soroka yet. Yeah. Just with those, when other you get guys. to a point where Charlie's your number four or number three. You know, you're looking pretty good. Yeah, Smiley's the only guy that I don't feel I'm not confident you know, about his, for the long term this year, but we'll see, you know, as long as he stays healthy, you got to think he's going to pitch better than he has, but you got enough depth there that uh, it shouldn't kill you. You know what he's doing, if you, especially when you get Soroka back. So 
It only takes one or two good starts, though, to change your mind. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he just hasn't had yeah. – yeah, every start's been kind of right. sketchy. You know, I mean, right. if, if he has one or two good ones where he just looks pretty decent, I think you feel a lot better about it. It's it's just a – no, right now it hasn't been And this. he's had a couple of stretches for like two or three innings where he's been t- totally dominant. So it's there, yeah. you know. It's not like he's throwing 88, and, you know, with no curveball. It's not. Yeah, I mean, even against the D-backs, I mean, they had six runs in the first couple innings, and he still, yeah. you know, kept going out there slinging it. So I liked what I saw out of Wilson. You know, I mean, he gave up a home run to vote on a fastball, yeah. kept chucking him in there. Yeah. You know, he didn't shy away from it, which is, you know, that's a big step, too. And the pitchers just, starters just need to get deep again. They start going like, you know, Charlie's been, you know, going six, but the other guys haven't. Uh, Ian Anderson's now building up. He went seven the other night. That was huge. So if they can start getting six or seven out of the starters – all of a sudden, your bullpen is fine for this. You got enough yeah. guys you can pitch. You can cover two or three innings a night. You just can't cover four or five a night. Well, and the thing about that too is when you have relievers that are scuffling a little bit, they need those layup outings yeah. where you come in in the sixth and there's two out and a runner on first, and you just punch out some dipshit lefty yeah. and go in the dugout, and get your high fives, and then you got an outing to kind of ride and feel good about. These guys are having to come in. Before they're Every used game. to, you know, er, early on with a lot of, you know, just chaos going on in the bases. You know, they haven't had those easy layup outings they need to, to really get going. And I think that was part of the the logic behind not bringing those guys back, too, was just that you were expecting your rotation to be so good. You didn't think you were going to need to be six or seven deep down there in the pen. Yeah, I don't think Mentor or Matzik has came into a game this year that wasn't a one-run game and mm-hmm. or had – one or two base runners on, um, especially with Mentor coming in with two on base all the time. I mean, yeah, every inning they pitch has been high stress, yeah. high leverage. It's nice to have some room for error once in a while, and then part of that's the walks too. Is you know if you got a one, a one run lead, you're trying not to give up that solo shot that ties it. You know if they can come in in a four or five run lead with an out already, you know, given to them. That's how you can kind of just have a quick, easy one to kind of get your momentum going in the right direction. But that that hasn't been there with the starters not quite doing what you expected. And I tell you what, if you're a veteran, if you're a pitcher, and you especially if you're a veteran, you got to love having Brian Snicker as your manager because this guy yeah. has more patience and gives you more opportunities. Because <laughs> Nate Jones, a lot of guys after his first couple outings would have said, okay, that's it. He was a non-roster invitee for a reason. He's no more unless we're in a blowout. He keeps throwing him out there in these totally, I mean, nail-biting situations yeah. where there's no room for error. And to Nate Jones' credit, he's come through a couple of times now. Yeah. Where I would have given up on him. I didn't think. And, yeah. and Snick will run the guy out there and go, I believe in this guy. That's the worst. You know, Kelly Johnson used to talk about that all the time with Bobby. Yeah. You know, Kelly started off his career 0 for 20 something. And Bobby just told him, You're my guy. You're going to keep going out As there. A and rookie, that, that yeah. took the edge off. You know, I mean, the, the worst thing a manager can do especially with a bullpen is every time you pitch bad, you go to the back of that, right. the, you know, conga line where it's like that adds so much pressure of if I pitch bad, I might not pitch for a week. You know, yeah. I, that's something that people think snits crazy sometimes yeah. bringing these guys in, but he's bringing them in because he needs them going. He's looking at the big and picture. You, he's going to give them every shot. Yeah. You know, a lot of managers, you pitch bad for them and you're just, you just, just stashed away until yeah. it's a blowout. And you come and pitch in a blowout and anything can happen. Guys are swinging for the fences. You know, you have a bad game. Um, but, yeah, those layup outings haven't been there. But, you know, credit to Snip for understanding the mental side of it and, and keep giving guys opportunities to get going. And he keeps running Jacob Webb out there in tough innings too. No easy. Yeah. I think he yeah. realizes this is what we've got. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Craig Kimbrell's not walking through that door or, you know, fill in the blanks not walking through that door. Shane Green probably is not walking through that door, it appears. Um, Maybe. <laughs> you know, I think he realizes that at least until you get closer to the uh, to the uh, trade deadline, Alex isn't going to be able to do magic and bring in, you know, some guys like he did two years ago. When they get to the trade deadline, you can. But teams aren't giving up good relievers right now. Shane Green is the only no. possibility out there right now. And obviously yeah. his price is still too high. So. Well, if he's watching the games, too, he's not going to come down on his price because you feel like your stock's yeah. going up the more the team needs you. So Snit knows he's got to get, he's got to mold these guys into the unit that they need for the long run. So, yeah, to his credit, he's, he's, he's willing to – he's comfortable enough in his position to not worry about, you know, this guy giving it up for the second or third straight time. He's going to stick with him, you know. He's willing to look bad, you know, to get him going. 
Gonna- and that's that's the hardest part about you know managing a bullpen is you're going to get destroyed when you bring certain guys in that keep giving it up. You know, as far as the fan base yeah. and everything goes, and people are like, "What are you doing? Why do you keep bringing this yeah. guy in? He keeps blowing it." And you know, at some point, you do have to cut the cord. You, know, you have to realize like this guy can't yeah. be trusted right now, but he's given the guys the opportunity to clean it up and, and be who he thinks they are. That's got to be it's the, not easy to do. It's got to be the toughest part for the manager, knowing that yeah. this game could come unravel and I'm going to look like an idiot and people are going to say, you know, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. Uh, but he knows he has to, it's 162 games and he's got to have these relievers pitching well because it's not like you can just dip, you know, people are like, call up somebody else. You can't just call Ooh. up Moeller and say, Kyle Muller, I know you've never done it before and you've walked too many guys in the minor leagues. But get in there and take care of this. You know you can't do it. Yeah, but and then you're starting you're starting fresh with him too. Yeah, well, you, you know I mean ready. It's, if he thought it, if they thought yeah. he was ready, he'd have been here. Different game in the big leagues. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys put up good numbers in AAA. Yeah, and he's walked too many down there. So, all right, that's it. We'll uh, we'll be back on uh, Thursday or Friday. We'll be back on Friday, and the Braves will have played a few more games against Cubs. They got a chance to you know clinch at least a tie of this four game series tonight. Uh, but that's not the Braves. The Braves need to win this series against the Cubs for sure before they go on the road again. Uh, yeah, they face the Blue Jays down in Dunedin. That's going to be that's going to be weird. Mm. But so weird. Yeah, <laughs> the Dunedin, it, it catches me off guard every time I see those games. The like, Dunedin complex. On? You barely you don't even recognize it though, do you? With the rehab with the renovations they did because they couldn't have played no. where that that thing used to be. It used to look like a glor- uh, glorified high school field. Well, that's what I was wondering too. Is what the facility's like, you know? Totally for the, upgraded. For the Blue Jays. It. They they didn't okay. do it for this. They were doing it anyway to keep the Blue Jays there, because I mean, it doesn't even look the same in the outfield. They took down all the trees and everything out there, and they put in yeah all the the all the training rooms and offices and like that, like and and the walk around thing. You walk around the whole ballpark on the raised platform. So. I'm sure the players are happy not to go through customs and deal with yeah. getting into Canada anyway. You know, yeah, it's an easy trip for the Braves. Travel. Yeah. The easiest of all, so that in Tampa. All right. Well, we'll talk again on Friday. I think that sounds good. That was uh, that was an, that was a big game for the Braves last night. They need to keep it going after that doubleheader. Man, if we'd had to come in here and talk about that doubleheader all day, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, I hope we don't do this on Monday because <laughs> I don't have much to. All right. All right. Seven fifty-five. Spice this real. one up. We'll talk later. Talk. See y'all.